Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. Today I'm going to talk about self-hypnosis. Now, I'm not going to talk specifically about trance because I realize some of you are using machinery. Some of you are driving. And so we're going to stay away from the realm of talking about trance. And you can just rely on your driving trance and be fully aware of all the surroundings around you. Ultimate safety, ultimate control. Now, over the years, I personally have found hypnosis to be one of the more powerful modalities for change, for personal transformation. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast or you're relatively new to the conversation, I may not have mentioned I began studying hypnosis when I was only 13 years old. Born out of curiosity and interest, I sent away for a little mail order book You know, I found an ad in the back of Popular Mechanics or Popular Science. I'm not sure which one. But it took me six weeks to raise the money for the book. The book was $6.95, postage included. Because I not only had to pay for my postage, sending the check, my mother wrote the check for me, I had to also include an envelope with the postage for the return. Now, it took me six weeks to raise the money, six ninety-five, because I had a paper out. I was a working man. But get this, in today's dollars, the equivalent would be about $50, this, this little pamphlet, this little book, cost me. But then again, it was all I had access to. There were no YouTube videos, there weren't any books on hypnosis that I could find. To actually take a class in hypnosis, it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars, much more than I could afford at age 13. So I sent away from this little book, and it was well worth the investment. Now, my original goal as a 13-year-old was to learn how to hypnotize women, of course. But after receiving the book, I began studying hypnosis. I began practicing on my brothers, and they quickly lost interest in, in me or working with me, again, of course. So I began focusing on self-hypnosis, experiencing trance and putting myself in deeper and deeper and deeper states of trance, very curious about what changes, what effects could I initiate in my mind and body? Just what were the boundaries? Where were the limits? As far as I knew, there weren't any. Because just before this, I had come across this quote that changed my life. It was by George Leonard in the book, The Ultimate Athlete. And it was when I was asking this question, this perennial question, what is potential? And I found it inside this book. And it said this, The ceiling to your potential is built the moment you say, I can't. The ceiling to your potential, what's possible, is built the moment you say, I can't. So you are always at the cause. You always have a choice in the matter. And so I figured if I was dealing or talking with directly to my other than conscious mind, then the sky was the limit. As long as I was willing, as long as I was cooperative with myself, I could literally do anything as far as I knew. And so my mind, my life became a laboratory. And of course, being a young man, a young shy man, or let's say reticent, wasn't necessarily one to put myself out there in every degree. I worked on confidence. I worked on courage. 
First and foremost, I went from having virtually no friends to having lots of friends, to the point where I could move in and out of different social circles. I was an athlete, I was in the science club, I was a burnout, I was a geek, and I could talk with the cool kids. I could literally step in virtually any social situation, although I never really felt affiliated with any one particular group, probably more so banned because I invested so much energy in it. And even there, I started out sitting last chair my freshman year, and by senior year, I was sitting first chair. But what I didn't think to apply it to, not till after I left school, I didn't think to apply it to mathematics. I really didn't like math. But later in my 20s, my, my early 20s, I got to thinking, well, that's just a feeling that I have according to the teachers that I had at the time. I know there are people out there that totally love math. They live math. They see the world in numbers. I wonder what it would be like if I was to begin thinking like them, talking like them, actually putting myself in their shoes, you know, borrow their perspective on numbers. And so I began talking to different mathematicians, asking them, tell me about numbers. Why do you love numbers? And I would go slightly into trance when I would listen. Now, it's possible to go into trance and still be totally alert. I call that a waking trance. But the more you talk to me, you realize that trance isn't necessarily one of those unique things. We go in and out of trance all the time. It is the perfect learning states, the perfect integration state. It's just one of the perfect states. And so this idea that we are consciously in control, that's for the most part a myth. But through my conversations and learning different new, or learning new techniques around math, I became a rapid calculator meaning that you could throw out two or three numbers and I could add them up, multiply them together within seconds. Shortly after that, I used it to increase my reading speed, which it worked. I had this ongoing feeling that I was reading faster, comprehending more, but I always, in the background of my mind, I felt like I could improve even more. So in the pursuit of increasing my reading speed, I can remember when I first started attending Michigan State, I sought out the reading lab. So after taking a test, they gave me an assessment, and they figured out that I'd read about 1,200 words a minute with 90% comprehension. And I can remember asking the girl, well, how do I get faster? She said, you're already at the top of what we can do here in this lab. And at the time, I just accepted that, that I already read fairly fast, and that was it. Later, I heard about photo reading, where you can read up to 25,000 words a minute. I haven't really done that. That idea has been put on the back burner. But just in talking to this, I'm reminded this belongs on my bucket list. This belongs on my to-do list. So I'll make a note of that and I'll get around to it. That realization points to something that happens when we're on the personal development journey. Is that we, we're constantly pushing the boundaries of who we think we are, who we know ourselves to be. And so there's certain aspects, certain ideas that we have about ourselves that we just consider normal, part of the framework of being us. So it takes regular questioning, regular review, regular uh, pauses for the causes to take a look at what about our performance, what about our persona, what about our idea of who we are could be upgraded. And sometimes everything's working good, everything's working fine. And so there's not an immediate problem or challenge or issue we feel we need to solve. This is where we create a breakdown. We just pick an area of our life that we're happy with 
and we just entertain the question. I wonder how much more amazing, how much more phenomenal I could be in this particular scale, this particular realm. I'll be the first to admit over the years, though, I've gotten somewhat lax about that review. It's actually been this podcast that has brought that up again for me to review, to take a look at my current performance and how can I improve it? How can I become a better husband, a better partner, a better lover? How can I become a better podcaster? From my point of view, given my age, it's at a point in time where a lot of people, a lot of my peers, a lot of the people I grew up with are thinking about retiring. I'm thinking of this as the second half of my life. I get a whole nother life to live after this. Now, you might say, Daniel, you're, you're 60, you're 62, almost 63. You're really going to live another 60 years? It's possible. It's possible, especially given the advances in science and medicine. If you get away from the maintenance of symptoms, there are some real advances that are going on in understandings around the human body, the brain, and in all aspects of life. So it's very possible to extend life another 30, 40, 60 years beyond my potential, beyond my natural potential. But that remains to be seen. I'm planning as if I have the time. I'm taking on big goals. I'm thinking about improving. How can I become better? How can I become even more amazing? Now, this brings up another aspect when I was talking about the advances in science and advances in medicine to support the body. You can utilize your other-than-conscious mind to talk to your body, accelerate healing, increase your metabolism, strengthen your bones. You can literally have a conversation with the cells of your body, and they respond. My first experience of this was when I was in my late 20s. Somehow I had developed four small little warts. They were very flat, but they were underneath my pinky on my right hand, on the back of my hand. They didn't really bother me. They weren't ugly. They were almost a little cute. They looked like four little freckles. But again, we're faced with the challenge of having our self-concept of acquiescing to a quote-unquote normal. I just accepted it. Until the girl that I was dating at the time asked me, you know, you said that you can change this, like remove warts with your unconscious mind by using self-hypnosis. I said, well, absolutely. And she said, prove it. So I sat down right there and I had a little conversation with myself. And then I forgot about it. A week later, I looked and they were gone. I totally ignored them altogether. I don't know when they left or when they disappeared. I just remember checking in a week later and they were gone. I've used it to alleviate or disappear headaches. One time I was out with friends on Lake Huron, and the water was quite choppy. We were on a sailboat, and this sailboat was relatively new to this friend that I was out with. And the water, for some reason, was coming up over the transom, which is the back of the boat, and flooding the galley down below. Well, we had accumulated about a foot of water down in the belly of the ship, belly of the boat, At 25 feet, it's still a boat. It's not yet a ship. But my friend had finally got the motor started and started steering the the stern, the transom, away from the the wave action. And then he handed it over to me, and he went down below to start bailing water. Well, he wasn't down there for more than a couple minutes, and he came up looking white as a sheet, said, I'm about to throw up. And with that, he put his head over the side and threw up. 
it was then that his girlfriend got rather indignant and said, I'll go down there. And she went down and she was back up in a minute or two to bail from bailing water. And she was ready to throw up too. The motion sickness down below of being tossed around in the waves, it was more than they could take. But having all that water down below was a balance problem. Every time the boat rolled to one side, all that water went over to that side and we dipped down rather close to the water. And then we would go back the other way. And so I said, I'll go down. And I had to put myself in a trance. And it was hard at first. Then I hit my stride and I was down there the whole time. I filled the bucket, lowered the water until I could find the bilge pump, got the bilge pump out, hooked it up and started pumping until we lowered it down. And then I used a sponge to soak up the rest of it and dry it up. I was down there for about an hour and a half. So aside from that nauseous feeling, the first couple minutes I was down there, once I went into trance, when I, once I made an agreement with my body, I was totally fine the whole time. That reminds me of another time that I used it to control my body. I had been out with a friend and I had a couple drinks. And we'd been talking for probably three hours and it'd been well over an hour since I had my last drink. And we had driven separately. When we decided to leave, I followed them with the idea of going back to their place and continuing our conversation. But on the way, somehow I changed lanes without using a signal, which I never do. I do it quite frequently, actually. I only did it because there didn't seem to be anybody else on the road. But I got pulled over. I think it was just a handy excuse for the cops to pull me over and check me out. And he asked me, have I been drinking? And I now know to say, no, I haven't. But I said, yes, I had a, I've had a couple drinks. And they asked me when I had the last one, I had to look at the clock, and I said about an hour and a half ago. And then they asked, would you step out of the car? Okay. I was fine. I felt fine. And they asked me to walk a line, walk a straight line, one foot in front of the other on the cement. I did that fine. And then they had me come over to the curb, and he stood in front of me with a flashlight. He said, I want you to keep your head looking straight ahead, but I want you to follow my light with your eyes. I'm going to go back and forth, up and down, and I want to make sure that you maintain your balance. Well, I never had this test before. I didn't know how I was going to perform. So I quickly hypnotized myself at that moment and said, I'm straight as a board, stiff as a board. My body is rigid and unmoving. And then he started with his little flashlight going from right to left, down, and then he went up. And I just followed it with my eyes going up until it disappeared. And then he brought it down again and brought it back up again. Then he brought it down in front of my eyes and then rose it back up over my head again, brought it down in front of my eyes. I could see him, his eyes getting kind of concerned. And he looked up again. I asked, is something wrong? He said, you don't appear to be human. And I said, I've gotten that before. Some of my friends think I'm an alien. He said, no, no, serious. You're, you're not responding like a normal human does. I said, what am I supposed to do? Aren't I supposed to follow it with my eyes? He said, yeah, but even if you're sober, people just can't help but fall backwards when you raise it up. Because as your eyes go up, your head goes back and you fall over. And that's exaggerated if you've had too much to drink. But you don't move. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. He just responded, I guess we're done here because you appear to be fine, better than fine. So drive safe. What else have I used self-hypnosis for? Well, I used it to improve my performance in the bedroom, if you know what I mean. 
Someday I'll do an episode just about getting better at sex, but I'll just keep this G-rated for this episode. Or since I mentioned sex, it's I guess it's now it's PG. I've also used it on the in the athletic realm to improve my performance in basketball, my shooting performance, and I always wanted to jump higher, eventually dunk the basketball. So I would visualize doing that over and over again, which at 5'10", it's not as easy as it is when you're 6'2 or 6'4". But I would visualize it from time to time. I didn't invest a lot of energy into it. But I was in my mid-30s. I had stolen the ball, and I was on a breakaway. I was leading the pack, and I took off just inside the foul line, thinking I was going to do a layup. But surprisingly, I kept floating higher and higher and higher. And I was looking right at the rim, so I dunked it. But get this, what I never really considered, because I'd never done it before, is how far you fall down after jumping that high. I didn't have the body control. I probably should have hung on to the rim, but I just kind of fell awkwardly to the floor. Note to self, the next time I dunk the basketball, consider the trip back down to earth. Also in my early 30s, I was talking to a friend of mine about how we could use NLP and hypnosis to accelerate or improve sports performance. And I said, you can pick any sport and you can improve it. And he said, oh yeah, and he smiled to himself. He says, how about bowling? I challenge you to improve your bowling game. Now, he knew I was notoriously bad at bowling. Frankly, because I hadn't gone that much. Rarely went bowling. But when we did, everyone else would hit 130 to 170, and I would usually hover right around 100. I really wasn't very good at all. And so I said, okay, okay. I said, I'm going to buy my own bowling ball, so I take that variable out of the equation. And then after I buy my bowling ball, we'll go bowling to have a baseline so you know what I can bowl with this new bowling ball. And I I told the bowling pro that I wanted to bowl with a slight hook that I was right-handed, and he he drilled a semi-fingertip grip for me. Slightly offset, I told him how I wanted the ball to curve and where I wanted it to break. It took him all of 30 minutes to drill the bowling ball. I was out the door and immediately to the bowling lane. Called my friend. He met me there. And I bowled three games. I bowled a 120, a 121, and a 123, which was probably the most consistent I'd ever bowled in my life, over three games. I then said to him, give me a couple days, actually four days, and we'll meet back here and we'll do it again and see what happens. I won't go into the exact process uh, that I used, but it was a form of hypnosis, a form of visualization. And so we went back to the bowling alley four days later And I bowled a 196, a 206, and a 209. I bowled again a month later and bowled a 246, a 278, and a 289. I was all set to bowl a 300. But I made the mistake on the last frame of saying, wow, and I'm not even a bowler. That was enough doubt. That was enough loss of focus where I left a pin. And rather than bowling a 300, I bowled a 289. I haven't really bowled much since then because I just don't enjoy it that much. It's fun to do now and then. I have taught a couple workshops on how to apply this technique. And I can remember one guy, his name was Eddie. And uh, he said, I've been bowling. He was in his 70s. He said, I've been bowling for 50 years. I've seen it all. And at the beginning of the, the workshop, I asked people what their expectations were. And this is where he said, I've seen it all. 
I currently bowl 196. My, my game has gone downhill over the years. And so I would be happy if I improved it by 10 pins. So I would like to bowl at the end of this at 206. He called me back three weeks later and said, I've been bowling no less than a 750 series. A series is three games. And so that's an average of 250 pins out of 300. He did a lot better than he thought. A guy named Bruce, who had a bowling average of 156, he bowled a 300 first time out. He called me so excited. He said, this is unbelievable. And then there were the Yarborough sisters. They were twins. They bowled about 245. They said, we're going to test it out. We have two back-to-back tournaments, and we want to see how well we can do. Well, in the first tournament, they took first and second place. And then in the next tournament, they switched, and the other sister took first, and the second sister took second. And so over that weekend combined, they brought home $20,000 in prize money. Behold the power of the mind. I no longer actively play basketball, but on any given day of the week, I can go to the gym, step up to the foul line, and make 20 straight shots just like that. In addition to skill enhancement, I've also used it to increase my ability to remember things. My mind is a steel trap. My wife will ask me to go to the grocery store. She'll rattle off a number of things for me to pick up. She said, aren't you going to write it down? You want me to send it to you in a text? I said, no, I have it. And then I walk out the door and I complete the list. I could go on and on of all the things that I personally used it for. And then there's another list of hundreds and hundreds of things that I've used it with other clients. But I can sum it up. Any area of your life that involves your mind, which I don't know any that don't, you can improve it, enhance your skills, enhance your attitude, enhance your awareness. On every level, you can enhance your total experience of life. There is no part of your life that could go untouched. This is part of mind mastery. This is part of you becoming friends with your other than conscious mind. If you want the best life, if you want to optimize your life to the best of your ability, again, we're constantly fighting that that self-concept, the idea that the way things are, are okay. So why improve it? Well, why not? If you can, why not? How high is high? It takes a particular mindset in order to actually improve areas that don't necessarily require improvement. But on the back end of that, the overall improvement, the overall enjoyment and satisfaction of life is unbelievable. And so you might have guessed it, I have a course for that. I'm just releasing the course, Subconscious Mind Power, inside the Nexus. You can get involved in the course as the standalone course. You don't need to have the whole membership of the Nexus, but there's going to be a lot of advanced techniques available to you inside the full membership. But you can investigate either one of those by going to yesdaniel.com. Right now, I actually have a video, a free video called Accessing Subconscious Mind Power. And you can get connected with that by going to yesdaniel.com and following the link. In that course, I give you the basic tools to have a conversation to get in touch with that generate rapport with your other than conscious mind. Now, I need to say trance is one of the easiest things to initiate. You can induce trance a number of ways. We move in and out of trance all day long in different activities. And so actually going into trance isn't the real hard part. It's knowing how to program your mind once you get there. That's why you see a lot of people that can hang their banner out and say, I'm a hypnotist or I've studied hypnosis. But how effective are you? You can create trance in all kinds of ways, 
but can you initiate a conversation in a way that generates change, transformative change for the other person or yourself? Now, I probably should say this, inside the course, you'll learn the techniques, you'll learn how to initiate trance, potentially within the first day or two, definitely within the first week. And you'll probably go through all the modules in just four or five weeks. But each month, I'm going to have an in-depth training. So inside the subconscious mind power, it has its own little membership, its own little container, where there'll be additional trainings throughout the year. So I'm going to ask you to invest a year in yourself to transform your life forever. But if after the five or six weeks you gravitate away from the program, then you gravitate away from the program. I'm just offering it there for your own benefit. And of course, if you're already in the Nexus or if you join the Nexus, then you have full access to that, to the subconscious mind power and the intuition course and the badass manifester and all kinds of different things inside the Nexus. That's it for this episode. This is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 